This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. I think there always can be room for, for improvement. I think in any, I don't think it, this is something that you can stop talking about. I think it needs to be something that's in an everyday conversation. Hey, thanks for listening to We're Momming Today. If you're listening on a smart speaker or website, make sure to find me, Lauren Simonetti, on your favorite podcast platform like Apple Podcasts, Google, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And don't forget to leave me a review. We're momming today with Becky Savage, a nurse, a mom of four boys who lost two of them on one devastating night back in 2015. Becky, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a hard time of year right around the holidays. It's a really hard time of the year, yeah, especially with, you know, fond memories that, you know, come to mind. And Tell me about that night four years ago. Sure. Um, It was uh, summertime. It was in June, um, graduation time in our community. And lots of graduation parties. Our kids were very social kids, so um, we had a lot of graduation parties to attend to. And our boys um, went um, to two grad- a couple graduation parties without me, um, returned home, and the next morning um, I found them unresponsive. And what we now know is that they were participating in underage drinking at couple of those parties they went to and somebody had offered them a prescription pill and they decided to experiment that night. I just want to unpack this a little bit. Your boys were in college. Mm -hmm. They were home from college. Yes, they were underage, but they were drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. They were athletes. They they cared about their, their performance. They cared about their physique. They're out with some friends, underage drinking, and they took a prescription pill. I think myself included, we all drank when we were in college, underage, right? Yeah, you'd like to think that they don't, but we know. But we know we that, know they, that. What, we know that they they likely do. And and now we're introducing they, they popped a pill. They, I think what's so shocking about this story is a it was both of them, mm-hmm. but they weren't drug addicts. They weren't they, they weren't, weren't using medication when they didn't need it. Mm-mm. And I think that's, you know, when I go and I I talk to kids, you know, none of us can make good decisions while drinking. And underage drinking is no different. Um, And then when uh, you're introduced with different things, um, kind of your voice of reason is silenced and risk-taking behaviors really take over. So the conversation we need to have with our children is everyone's so worried about about overdosing. Mm -hmm. We don't equate that. With alcohol, mm-hmm. but alcohol impairs your judgment. Where it would be more, big time, yeah, more likely that you would do something that you wouldn't normally do, right? What do, What do you say to to parents who who grieve with you, who fear your situation having to them happening to them? What do you What do you say? 
You know, a lot of it, I go back to, you know, having conversations, you know, open, honest conversations with your kids. I would like to say that we were um, open and honest, and we did have conversations with our kids, but prescription medication um, abuse and misuse really wasn't on our radar four and a half years ago. It wasn't something that was talked about, and so therefore, it wasn't talked about with our kids. And so just, uh, you know, if you hear of something, talk to your kids about it. Um, and they'll tell you things that are going on too. What was that prescription? It was an opioid. And the kid who had it got it from where? We still don't know a lot of those details of where it came from, but we know that it didn't belong to him. And there were several other, I believe there were five overdoses or kids that were impaired and needed medical attention related to that one prescription bottle. Was it their their parents? Was it a legit bottle? We have no idea. We have no idea. Because that kid never said or didn't know? Or? Um, he um, he overdosed himself and... Um, but survived. But survived and um, was in trouble, um, obviously, with the law then for um, dealing and some other issues. He had some other felony charges. But it wasn't ever anything in con- correlation with Nick and Jack because obviously Nick and Jack weren't here to say who gave them the pills and um, nobody would come forward and say where they got the pills. So, um, yeah. So I know we, t- we talk about with e-cigarettes all the time. You know, if you're getting a counterfeit cartridge, uh, know what's in it. Right. Because as we put substances in our bodies, we're, we're so putting ourselves at risk. Um, you started a foundation. Well, I, I guess before before we talk about the foundation, you had two other sons. We do, yes. How did, you know, when your husband came home that morning, right, or that day, mm-hmm. or home from work, I don't, I don't know what he was doing, but you, you, found, you found your sons. What, like, what did you do? Where were your other boys? What was that like? Yeah. Well, our other two boys happened to be out of town with my other with my husband. Um, they were fishing, okay. and um, I called my husband um, obviously when um, all this was going down at our house that morning. And he came home, and um, you know, I told him that they were both gone. Uh, he, you know, collapsed to the floor. I mean, it was it's a big shock. I mean, to try to process um, not not only the loss of one child but two. It was just you know unbearable. Um, But our other two children, um, you know, we had friends that went up and stayed with them. I made sure their cell phones were taken away so that they wouldn't hear about what happened um, other than from my husband and I. And I I do remember telling them and um, I tell people the look of sorrow and heartbreak, you know, as the reality of the situation began to sink in is something that I will never forget watching it on their face and something they should never have had to experience. This is not something any family should have to experience. How do you move on? You know, it's hard. Um, It's really hard, and I'm not going to say it's easy, and I'm not going to say that there's days that I don't feel like getting up and doing anything. I still think about it every second of every day. But I do know that... um, Doing nothing and um, being sorrowful over it, well, um, isn't going to do anybody any good, especially my other two kids. So I think that by moving on and hopefully trying to um, make a difference in this world, by telling Nick and Jack's story, 
um, not only helps me with the grieving process, but also helps their story live on. And they're still able to make a difference. When you get those why me feelings, why God, why, I mean, two of my, half of my children, you just took half of my children. Um, how do you, how do you channel that? How do you respond to that feeling? Well, I know that no matter what my feelings are, nothing's ever going to change the end result. Mm -hmm. So I'm, you know, in my mind, I try to focus on things that I can change the end result on. And I know that the more I talk about Nick and Jack's story, the more people are going to hear about it and they're going to go have conversations with their kids and maybe their kids' lives will be spared um, or maybe kids will make better choices. And I just, I try to focus on things that I can change. And that's how your foundation started. It is. I, I, I believe you, correct me if I'm wrong, some neighbor, neighbors said, you know, we were touched by what, what happened to you and, quite frankly, scared by it. Can you come talk us through it? Yeah, our community um, actually had a, a community town hall meeting, and um, they were talking about underage drinking with kids. And they asked if we um, could come and speak. We were told maybe 12 to 15 people would, would, would come to it, but can we just come and tell our story? And we said, sure, you know, we'll come talk. Was that the first time you were The speaking? first time, yeah, because we took a good year um, or more to um, – we were very together. we were very private. We're still very private people, but um, we didn't talk to, you know, the media or anybody about it because it was our grief that we, um, as a family, we needed to, to um, come together and um, help each other heal. So we did talk, and um, over 200 people in our community showed up, which was overwhelming. Um, because they, you know they wanted to hear not only what we had to say, but what we realized is that they were terrified that something like this could happen to their family, and what can they do? And after that, it just you know we got phone calls from different um, high schools. Can you please come and tell our students about Nick and Jack? Come help spread the message. And so that's when kind of the seed started. Is you know maybe we can take their tragedy. And turn it into something where we're, we're able to make a difference in the lives of others. We had received um, quite a bit of money um, that was donated to us after our kids died. Um, and we really wanted to make sure that we did something with that that would make a difference um, in their name. And so that's we, we used that money to kind of help spearhead starting a foundation. And they were both avid hockey players. And Jack's number was number five, and Nick's number was number 25. And I remember looking at a picture of them, and we just saw the back of their hockey jerseys, and we thought, that's what we're naming it, the 525 Foundation. So we did. Which is maybe anonymous for a lot of people, but deeply personal to you. It's very personal, yeah. And a lot of people are like, what's that? And yeah. I'm like, you know, well. it's just my way of bringing them along with us on this journey. In a very subtle way. Mm-hmm. Um, your sons weren't alcoholics. No, no. But I was recently touched by a story uh, of another mother who um, her husband died a few years ago. And she had two boys and he, he dropped dead. He was under 50 years old. Um, and they told people it was a sudden heart attack. And she told people that for years. And then recently opened up that it wasn't a heart attack. He had been struggling with alcoholism. They had been struggling with his disease for a while. Mm -hmm. And... 
think it was about maybe six years, she didn't tell anybody that he was an alcoholic because she wanted to honor the person that he was, honor his good name, and just didn't want people to remember him by that. Right, for how they died. And when she shared that story, she shared it in a group for the first time publicly. Just tears welled up in the room and, you know, hands kind of went up saying, I'm dealing with this with my husband. I'm dealing with this with my son. I'm dealing with... And substance abuse is so widespread. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure people talk about it. Or maybe we talk about the extreme substance abuse, the heroin overdoses. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of other substances in between that. That are being misused, yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't talk about it because of the stigma that becomes attached to it. It is extremely hard. And I remember the first time that somebody had asked me, you know, oh, my goodness, you lost two boys. How did they die? And to say they died of a drug overdose it just hit me like a brick wall. I mean, it almost would have been easier to say they got in a car accident. Not that losing them would have been any less of pain, you know, pain, but to really put a label as to how they died. You know, it was, you know, I don't want them to be remembered for how they died. I want them to be remembered for how they lived. And um, So how do you answer that now? I still, t- I, I say that they did, they died of a drug, of an overdose um, and from making bad choices. Because truly, that's what happened is they made a bad choice that led to another bad choice, and they lost their life because of it. Do you fear that by you saying that, the recipient would say, well, what did or think, what did you do wrong as a mother that your child, your children were on drugs? Even though you, they weren't? You the know, yeah, know it that. does cross your mind because, you know— you, nobody ever wants to be judged, and that is hard. That's part of the grieving process too. Is um, you know you're not only grieving the loss of your sons um, or the life that you had with four kids, because the life with two kids is a lot different than the life with four kids. There's a lot of things that you're grieving, um, but yeah, it is hard. But I think I've just really anybody who knows us or knows our family, um, knows um, how we are as a family and as parents, and knows um, that this was just a really bad choice that our boys made. And Are colleges doing enough to stop and prevent underage drinking? You know, I think, um, I think they're trying. I really do. I've, um, I've been to a lot of colleges to speak as well um, to their freshman classes um, to help warn about the dangers um, that can come along with underage drinking. And I think there always can be room for, for improvement. I think in any, I don't think it, this is something that you can stop talking about. I think it needs to be something that's in an everyday conversation. I think a lot of people breathe a sigh of relief and they say, okay, my, my child might be underage drinking, but there's Uber. They're not going to get behind the wheel. That's just one of the many problems. Right. I mean, you know, when you underage drink, just like with, you know, when you're drinking legally, you just make bad choices. And um, unfortunately, bad choices today um, can be deadly, can be lethal. I mean, there's so much out there um, and so many things that can happen. 
How do you how did you manage or how do you still manage the feelings of anger that probably still arise? Um, you do have anger. You have um, a lot of emotions um, that come along with grief. Um, again, it goes back to um, I can't change it. I can't change um, the outcome of that night, no matter um, any more details that I may or may not find out. Any um, anything that anybody that may come forward or any anything that could happen will still never change the outcome that um, Nick and Jack are no longer here. So I have to just focus on the positives and focus on um, all the good that I still have in my life and making a good life for my other two kids and my husband and myself. And um, like I, I say, did that help you get through it? The fact that you did have two other sons. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What's the age differences? Um, Justin is now 20 and Matthew is now 16. Okay. So they're at a point in their life where they're likely tempted. Yeah. To go um, to the bar. Yeah. And go to a party and open a beer. Yeah. It, it is hard. Um, we talk, obviously, all the time. And um, it, it's hard. It's hard being a parent. It's really what hard. What do they say to you about drinking? Um. You know, they like, you know, we talk about things and they're like, mom, we know, mom, we know. And, you know, I think they get tired of hearing me talk about, talk about it. But it, you know, we have an exit plan. You know, I've always talked to my kids, um, especially after Nick and Jack passed away, um, and especially my youngest one, about if he's ever in a situation where he feels uncomfortable, he will text me a word. And I know if this word comes across my phone from Matthew that, He's in a situation where he's not comfortable and that I'll make the excuse and I'll come get him. Matthew, your dog just got into the bag of candy you had in your room and ate all this chocolate. I need to come get you to take whatever. her to the vet or whatever it is. Idea. I love but that strategy. But it's falling on my shoulders so that hopefully it's it's hard being a kid. So, that you know, in having an exit plan with your child um, – I never told my parents anything that I ever did. I mean, my social life was my social life, and I just didn't share it for many reasons. It was uncomfortable. Right. Um, the exit plan could op- could maybe blur that boundary a little bit. That well, you know what? I accept the bad choices you are going to make because when you send me that that word, that mm-hmm. code word, I know most likely. You did something you shouldn't have done it, but that's okay. Right. Mom or you're somewhere you. where maybe something is happening that you don't you're not comfortable with. Or just anything where you've you're they're uncomfortable because right. it's so hard for kids to go against that grain of peer pressure. And I wanna help I wanna help them go through that. I want to be the one that helps them. And if it happens that he's somewhere drinking and I need to go pick him up. It's not a free pass. We've talked about this. But it's definitely something that I know he's going to be at home and he's safe. And then we're going to have a conversation maybe the next day about choices and um, things that we can maybe learn from. Have you had interactions with um, groups that are struggling either themselves personally or know people, children who have true drug issues? Well, what, you know, I do come across people all the time, every day, um, because of what I do, going around talking to people. And that pain from a parent losing somebody who has had an addiction 
problem for years is something that, I mean, we both have lost kids. We, we both are hurting. But I can't imagine not knowing in, for five years, every night going to bed, if your kid was going to be okay. I mean, that's a different kind of grief, a different kind of pain that I, I can't even comprehend. So we've, you know, we've lost kids. Both of us, we but the, can, journeys, were but much the journeys are so much different. I know. I, as you were saying that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of you and your situation. This shock. Wow! Did life just unfold like that before my very eyes? And then those who are dealing with that addiction every single day and wondering, is so and so coming home tonight? It's it would be horrible. I couldn't even yeah. imagine that journey either. I mean, that's it's tough. A rough road. It's, it's really tough. tough. It, it, what, what do you think the root cause of all of this is? You know, I think there could be a lot of issues. Um, root cause of kids thinking they're invincible, especially boys. I mean, they never think anything's going to ever happen to them. Um, maybe not awareness. I think um, lack of awareness. Like I'm sure um, if kids knew four and a half years ago that um, taking a prescription pill like that um, could be harmful and could take their life. Things probably wouldn't have happened. Um, I meet a lot of kids um, across the country, and a lot of them think prescription pills are safe. I mean, because they're prescribed. Because they're prescribed by a physician, and I tell them they're right. They are safe if they're taken for who they were prescribed for, the and way exactly they're supposed how to. How they were pres- Yeah, but if you mix that up or change any of those things, it can be lethal, and. I don't think our kids knew that. I mean, I think that everybody else maybe was doing it or trying it, and peer pressure um, I think is a big thing too. It's it's really, really hard for kids to go against that grain. And in speaking to you earlier, you said through all of this, you hope to be a silver lining for a lot of moms and it's families hard. out there. Anytime you look at any kind of um, life change or right. um, tragedy, you know, I've always just tried to look for a silver lining, and I think the silver lining in this um, could be that we're able to tell Nick and Jack's story, and other people are hearing about what happened to them and going home and talking to their families and maybe changing the course of the outcome for their family and for their kids. And and aside from obviously feeling empty and maybe feeling that much more and much more deeply at times, um, than others how how has I, I have a girlfriend uh, and her her brother her mom passed and then 18 months later her brother overdosed and, and, and died and, and shifts in her life have been I don't fight with people I don't worry about the little things like she said my perspective is just so shifted so different so mm-hmm. greater what what changes have been obvious to you since this um, and it sounds so cliche, but really, you don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah, I mean, and you treasure the big stuff, you know, more deeply. And I, I can, I when you were saying this, like it can smile because I feel the same way. I mean, some things just don't matter anymore. That before it would have been everything, you know. Um, you just, it's a different perspective, and I, it's hard to describe how you look at things differently, but it is almost like wearing a different shade of glasses. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, Becky. You're welcome. An important story.
I appreciate you're it. a source of inspiration. And Aww. as you were speaking, I wrote down tips. Oh, like, I literally, love it. You probably saw me. I was like, exit plan. What a good idea. I love that. And Thank you. Kids do think they're invincible. They do. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.